March's biggest tournament is finally here. We do not know who's going to be cutting down the nets at the end, but we do know that there's going to be no shortage of madness. DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. You bet $4 on an underdog, and you win $256 if they win. It's just that simple. Turning $4 into $256 is 64 to 1 odds. Every dollar that you bet could turn into $64. Pick one of many select college basketball underdogs for a shot at winning $256. All it takes is for a $4 bet. So there's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is by going with DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Download the top-rated DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook now and use the promo code WMVP when you sign up to turn $4 into $256. It's just that simple. For a limited time only, a DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook must be 21 or older. Illinois only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Slash sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has got a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 Gambler 1 800 426 Don't forget to use the promo code WMVP when you sign up for DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Let's start the show. Very well tonight. Great team defense. Did a good job. Kobe Bryant. He is hard to believe. Michael Jordan. Michael double teamed on the drive in for the left. Gets chased into the corner. Comes right back. What's up, everybody, and welcome into the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. I am Jonathan Hood. And basketball is hood, especially in the month of March going into April, because, my friends, it's March Madness. It's you and I watching all the college action, trying to make a little money as well while we're watching college action. A year ago, we didn't have March Madness. A year ago, we didn't have an NCAA tournament. And now we have one. Thanks so much for checking us out wherever you download your podcast, including Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe, download this podcast As we emanate from Spotify, that way you never miss an episode. Spotify has extra audio that you will not hear on the Cap'n J. Hood audio feed. And we're saying what's up to our Cap'n J. Hood listeners as well, listening on the ESPN Chicago app. But hey, check out this podcast. If you love basketball, college, pro, anything else in between, man, we got it for you right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. So... This is the show that if we miss talking about some of the key storylines in basketball, that's why we have this. I want to make sure we have everything covered around the NBA, around college basketball, and everywhere else in between. So, don't forget to catch me every morning with David Kaplan for Cap and J Hood Monday through Friday between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. 
Tyler Aki. He is going to be with us from the Made for March podcast. He's also part of our staff here at ESPN 1000. We'll talk to Tyler because he is firmly entrenched in this college basketball March Madness. He was a guest with us earlier in the year. Go back in the archives and check out the podcast there. And if any episodes you might have missed, if you're just listening to me for the first time, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. But we've got other episodes as well regarding college basketball, the NBA, the Bulls. Check it out and share this podcast with others. You have friends of yours that like basketball. Tell them, check out the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. You can hit that subscribe button and they're right there. But Tyler's going to talk to us about March Madness. It all starts off Thursday with the first four. We'll get his thoughts about that. We'll also talk about locally, Illinois and Loyola both being in the dance. How far can they go? We'll talk to Tyler about that. Coming up right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. And as promised, there he is, Tyler Aki from the March, Made for March podcast. I, t- I tell you what, man, this is outstanding. Don't forget to go on Twitter as we have our conversation Made for March, Made the number four March for Tyler Aki, and he's from our staff at ESPN 1000, has a great podcast, and he joins us right here. March Madness is here, Tyler. Thank you so much. Oh, it's the best time of the year, Hoodie, and I'm happy to be joining you here. We finally have a bracket now. After over 700 days, it's it's great to finally see it in stone and like pull up your your ESPN tournament challenge and actually get to make some picks too. Aren't aren't you amazed that we finally made it, Tyler? I mean, everything that we've gone through with COVID nineteen cancellations here and there, and just I have zero complaints or very few complaints of, of any because I'm just happy that we have a tournament to talk about. Even Dick Vitale, uh, Belmont should be in. Otherwise, it's great. Like even he didn't have a bitch, and he usually has a a, a problem with everything. Right. And it, it was the perfect. I mean, Beheim wasn't bitching. Everyone was in a good mood on Selection Sunday. Even if you didn't get in, there's still a chance you're getting in. If you're a Louisville or if you're a Colorado State, any of those teams in that next four, even Coach K, doesn't even seem like he's that mad right now. He's not looking for empathy. <laughs> it's interesting, man. Well, I want you to tell me uh, first, we'll keep it local first and then we'll spread out. So you saw this online like I did that there were some that were. Uh, dismayed by Loyola's number eighth seed. And I said this morning to Cap, I said, well, you know, Loyola's still from the Valley, right? I mean, so I just thought not not necessarily looking at Loyola versus, say, Clemson or looking at San Diego State. I just said, well, look at the league. It's the Valley. Being at an eighth seed, even though you think the team is better than that, they get an eighth seed. I'm not surprised. Uh, ultimately, you're a one-bid league with Drake sneaking in. Right, and, and that's put perfectly there because you're not the Mountain West. Mountain West got two and almost had four into this tournament. So, yes, there's a lot of credence to putting San Diego State at six. They won the league. They were the best team in the league, won the final 14 games to close out the season, and they got a six seed. And you're going to complain about Loyola, a team that played and played well, but you had a Power 5 chance against Wisconsin, you lost. If they had won that game then maybe you're looking at a different conversation with Loyola, but I think they're properly seated at eight right now. It's the equivalent of me saying, Tyler, I'm really pissed that Cleveland State is 15. As someone who covers the Horizon League, I'm dismayed, outraged. Cleveland State had a great... Well, I can't say anything about that. I mean, the Horizon League that I covered is a one-bit league. Of course they deserve the 15th seed. It's just what it is when you're not a Power 5 team. 
And listen, if there was a third or fourth team out of the Valley that could have made a push for a tournament, then maybe you're bumping up to a seven or a six. But listen, you're you're Loyola still. And again, I, I say that in the nicest way. They yeah. had a very, very good season. They're the number one defense in the country right now. They've had a phenomenal run. But at the end of the day, you have to go out and you have to play some of those bigger games against the big boys. They got one of them in. And again, it was going to be a tough season to do that because of limitations with scheduling. But for a season like this, you take the eight seed, and guess what? You have a chance to make some noise because that Midwest region, in my opinion, is wide freaking open. When you look top to bottom, I think you've got some of the, the weaker seeds. I think Illinois is really strong at the top, but everyone else is very beatable in that Midwest region. Okay, one more thing on Loyola, and that is their matchup against Georgia Tech. Tyler, I'm leaning Georgia Tech on this. I saw their ride to be able to get to that number nine seed. Pastor's got a really good team, I think, for Georgia Tech. How difficult is that eight nine matchup to choose? That's so tough. It's going to be a fantastic defensive matchup because Loyola is a very good team defensively. But what they do defensively is it's a lot of perimeter based defense. They're going to more stop you from scoring, whereas Georgia Tech's going to turn you over. And they're, they forced the most turnovers in an ACC tournament game against Florida State in the championship the other day. They got some really good players, some of the best players in the league. You can say it's a down league in the ACC this year, whatever. But Moses Wright went from being a nobody to a guy who's putting up 30 and 15s in certain games this season. He's a stud. And then Jose Alvarado and Mike DeVoe are a great backcourt. I love the perimeter defense that you're going to see from Georgia Tech in this matchup. And I do like the Yellow Jackets that knock off Loyola Chicago. Okay. Uh, as far as Illinois is concerned, watching Illinois, they'll have the one sixteen matchup against Drexel to start. I'll tell you what I told you last time we spoke. I like Illinois. I just think that Illinois is very talented. Sometimes I wonder whether or not they have the ability to put their foot on the throats of opponents. I'll give you an example. This past Sunday, as we record this, we saw the Illinois team win the Big Ten Championship. That's great. It took overtime for them to do it against a good Ohio State team. But the point is, Tyler, there's times against Northwestern, against Maryland, a few other teams I've seen where Illinois, Nebraska, oh, and Nebraska, you you have the opportunity to be able to take these teams out. You know that you're talented. I just want to know in a one-and-done scenario, does Illinois have the killer instinct to take out uh, some opponents that they've never seen before in the NCAA tournament? It's going to be fascinating from Illinois' perspective because you got to remember this, too. Remember, they were supposed to get in last year but didn't. No one on this roster has tournament experience. And I think while you have probably the most star power in terms of a one-two punch, it's as good as they come with Io and Kofi, the tournament experience matters. And especially when you're going into a weird situation now where everything's played in one, one general spot for the entirety of this tournament. Now, I do think Illinois lucked out it to a degree when I mentioned this Midwest region is the weakest one of the four, in my opinion. It's the most wide open, and I think that is going to help Illinois out. You've got a a weak two-seed, in my opinion, in Houston, a team that should not be a two-seed. West Virginia had a little bit of a scuffle towards the end, and then I look at Oklahoma State. They're a good team. They're probably a little underseeded as a four. And then Tennessee at the five. I mean, I'm not overly impressed by what's going on in this Midwest region. So that's why I personally still like Illinois to get to the final four. But if you're going to draw Baylor again, I just don't know if there's that next step that this team can take. 
Uh, you heard it here first. Uh, Tyler likes Liberty, the pack line defense of Liberty, uh, against a young <laughs> Oklahoma State team in the 413. Is that what I just heard? No, I guess I didn't hear that. Well, no. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, <laughs> I love Kate Cunningham. I mean, yes. that Oklahoma State team's a lot of fun. This is my stance, okay? Oklahoma State is a team that was nearly ruled out of this NCAA tournament because of NCAA violations. But since they're in the appeals process now, they get to play. Oklahoma State's a team that I see as a high three or a low two seed. And for them to get the four, I think they could make a little bit of noise and maybe have a meeting with Illinois in that Sweet 16. The way I look at Kate Cunningham is cherish every moment you've got with him in college basketball while you still have him in college basketball. Mm -hmm. Because he's a guy who could have easily turned his back on the sport, gone to the G League, gone pro overseas, gone and trained for a year. But he stuck with Oklahoma State. And when he committed... And when the season began, he probably didn't think he was playing in the tournament because of the sanctions that were being handed down. But here he is, and this is a team that's got a chip on their shoulder and is really playing with house money right now. Tyler, which of the two seeds are built to last? You have the options of Houston, Ohio State, Iowa, and Alabama. It's interesting. I think that Iowa has the best built-to-last personnel, especially with the way they play defense to close out the year. But the unfortunate thing for the Hawkeyes is that they drew the Gonzaga region. And to me, that essentially eliminates them from a chance at making a really deep run. I also think they might have a little bit of trouble against some bigs that they'll face throughout this tournament, most notably if they draw Kansas and David McCormick comes back, or if they draw USC and Evan Mobley's playing in that game. So, that's why I'm hesitant to really like any of these two seeds. I'm, I look at it like, okay, there's a lot of bad matchups. The teams that I'm not as high on on the two line are Houston and Ohio State, and they probably have the best matchups. The teams that I'm higher on, Alabama and Iowa, they've got some of the tougher matchups because I really like the three seed out of the Alabama East region with Texas, and I think that could be something that could stop Alabama's run a little bit early. You know the committee knows exactly what they're doing, right? They always play stupid, oh, but this has do. been this has been so regionally done. This such a regional bias, and it's fine, like it's cool. But I, you can see what they've done the the Midwest trying to match up Illinois and Loyola. There's a there's some synergy there in the East. Texas and Abilene Christian, and then, you know, you get Texas, Alabama. I mean, there's different ways that you can look at this, but clearly they know what they're doing, right? Well, I think their dream matchup would be somehow Iona knocks off Alabama, and then UConn advances past Maryland, and then you've got Patino versus UConn. That's what they really want. I mean, that's (laughs) the storyline that they're really trying to drive home here. All right, so now let's take a look at the the West with Gonzaga. Everyone's looking at this. They're talking about the history that Gonzaga could make. I've, I've told you this before, Tyler. I just if Gonzaga does not win it all, I'm not sure when they will. What holds Gonzaga back from getting to their destiny under few and winning the championship? It's going to be if the defense takes a night off because we've seen even in that. West Coast Conference Championship matchup against BYU. We saw BYU get out to a big lead. They they were up double digits, I believe, heading into halftime. And then Gonzaga turns on the gas, and they just cruise to victory. They end up being the ones that win by double digits. So it's going to be if the defense is off one night for a little bit, and then the offense can't make that big climb back. The only problem that I see in 
that stopping Gonzaga right now is I don't know what team is going to dial it up besides Iowa and make that a problem for this Gonzaga team. I just think there's too many weapons, too much scoring. They can beat you inside. They can beat you outside. They've got one of the most dynamic playmakers in the country with Jalen Suggs. I just think there's too much star power and too much want on this team as well. I mean, you've got some older guys like Corey Kispert and Drew Timmy, and they they know the narrative that people are, are pushing, that this Gonzaga team just does not win, and they're tired of that. Jalen Suggs came to Gonzaga as the highest ever recruit in Mark Few's tenure because he wanted to change some of these narratives as well. And Suggs is a guy who could play himself into the number two and Hey, if he plays really well in this tournament, maybe you get some heads to turn and look at him as maybe the number one overall pick. I don't think that's ultimately going to happen. But, hey, we have seen the tournament tra- change people's draft fates. And Jalen Suggs is a guy who goes from maybe being a top five guy to potentially in the conversation of number one, but at worst, a number two guy. Which of the one-bid leagues would you put money on to advance? I like Winthrop. I really like Winthrop, mm. and a part of it is the matchup here. I, I know a lot of people love to point to the 12-5 matchup, and I think this is a weird 12-5 year because you've got two auto bids with Georgetown and Oregon State claiming those 12 seeds. I don't like either of those teams very much because I didn't like what they – yes, they won their conference tournaments, but they won week conference tournaments. But I look at Winthrop as a team that has a good matchup against Villanova. The Wildcats just lost their best player and a co-biggies player of the year in Colin Gillespie for the rest of the season. We don't know the status of one of their key sixth men in Justin Moore as well. And Winthrop's a team, they played really well to close out the season. They beat a couple Ken Palm top 100 teams. And here's another little tidbit that I'll I'll leave with you here. Winthrop and a number of these mid-major leagues, their scheduling format this year was the back-to-backs or the two-and-three days. What's the format of the tournament? The back-to-back-ish or the two-and-three days. So I look at, can they take the preparation of the scheduling from their regular season and turn that into tournament success? I think that could be something that plays a factor when you're sitting in your hotel room overnight, over the course of a full day, and just kind of hanging out and having that next game on the mind. I think that's a lot different than what a lot of these Power 5 schools had to go through this season. So you're just not going to roll with me on Colgate of Arkansas, huh? just won't happen? I, I like that Colgate team. I just like Arkansas a lot. Listen, I think Colgate's a very good team. They're top 10 in the net rankings, which is unheard of for a team coming out of the Patriot League. But Arkansas is a team that is coming in really hot and I think has one of those players in Moses Moody who is looking to take his draft status from fringe lottery to like top seven. And I think he is one of those prime candidates to make that sort of leap here in March. Okay, so uh, you heard it here first. Take the over in Arkansas Colgate in this uh, track meet between <laughs> these two teams. All right, I got it. Yes. Because they both will Love score. The there. Yeah, well, they yeah, will uh, score a ton, right? a lot of pace there. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Colgate shoots 40% from three. They don't turn the ball over. It's going to be a very fun game. Like, that is one of the best three four teams you can get. And can Colgate win? Absolutely. Because what's the recipe for some of these mid-majors? Just get really hot from three. Well, Colgate has gotten hot from three all season long. My only problem is I think they've played 14 or 15 games this season. 
So they don't have that that sample size that leads me to believe that they're one of the better teams among the these mid majors. Okay, story time. Ready? So I, so just to see Grand Canyon on the bottom line here, the, the two fifteen <laughs> yeah. against Iowa. So I was there with the Flames. We we <laughs> we go there. This is when Dad Marley was coaching Grand Canyon, and we and we got no opportunity to win. But we walk in there, and I have I haven't seen a home court advantage like that as far as loud as far as sound. Tyler, I walk in there and they got woofer speakers on either side of the floor on under one basket and the other, like big party speakers. I don't mean like the little ones on the floor. Yep. I mean they wheeled them out, right? And it's just yep. and it's and just instead of game notes, the SIDs handed you tabs of acid. That's correct. That's correct. And the lights went out, um, <laughs> off and on, and then the confetti came down from the ceiling. Let me tell you, this is December, non-conference. Who are we, right? We're UIC going into right. Grand Rapids. It's sold out. It's it's 80 degrees in December, and we're in there, right? It's the one of the loudest places I've ever been to, especially during the timeouts and in the introductions. And so, you know, our players can't hear the coaches during the timeouts because they got the speaker right next to our bench, and it's pounding, it's the house music in that place was pounding. And I, I was trying to ask, I was like, why is it sold out for a non-conference game? I know it's 80 degrees, beautiful Saturday night. They're like, oh, you know, you get college credit for coming. <laughs> so it's just a, a classroom and a basketball game breaks out halfway through. I mean, seriously. I mean, old and young, they're doing dance routines with the, with the fans. It was it. Everyone was standing during the, the timeouts. I mean, I guess that's part of the curriculum there. Uh, so <laughs> I, I had never been in a place like that. I was like, this is nuts. Listen, Grand Canyon is one of those teams too, where you look at some of the storylines throughout the tournament, they've got their little rabbit split because their head coach is Bryce Drew, yeah. of course, a legend in March lore from his days at Valpo. So while I don't think the matchup's good for Grand Canyon, you're going to see a lot of Bryce Drew. If you watch, yeah, exactly. Guys in the Antelopes. I just when I saw Grand Canyon pop up on my screen, I'm like, "Yep, I remember that place." And I also remember Dan Marley uh, has a lot of my money from his three bars in Scottsdale. I'm just telling you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, wh- what is the difference, Tyler, between your favorite player to watch in the tournament and your favorite team to watch? So, my favorite player to watch in this tournament is probably Io DeSumo. I, I just love watching him play night in and night out. And honestly, my second favorite player to watch is also in his region and Kate Cunningham. And the difference is, is I look at Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert and Drew Timmy. That's my favorite team in Gonzaga to watch in this tournament because they play like an NBA team. And they'll move up and down on you. They do a lot of really good stuff. And they can shoot the ball. They can beat you inside. They can just play any sort of style of basketball and play well at that style. So they can match you style for style. Whereas Illinois, they kind of have a formula. It's Kofi. It's Io. If things get away from that, that's when you start to see them get into trouble. If Kofi gets in foul trouble... That's going to hurt Illinois, whereas if one of those three get in foul trouble for Gonzaga, well, you've got a number of players who are also in your starting lineup or coming off your bench that can make a big impact. So I look at it really comes down to depth, I would say. Illinois and Oklahoma State have two of my favorite players. 
but after the you get through the first two or three guys on that roster, it really drops off a little bit. Whereas if you look at Gonzaga, I mean, from the first guy through the eighth guy, you've got guys that can make an impact. I mean, heck, their fifth best starter has a triple double this year. Like that, that's unheard of yeah. on a college basketball team. Um. So lastly, I want to get your first four picks. What do you think of what's going to happen on Thursday on True TV? All right, so going to the first four, I like UCLA. I know they were struggling to close it out against uh, the Pac-12 to close out the season, but I have not bought in on the whole Michigan State thing. People may be thinking, oh, well, Sparty may have a chip on their shoulder. It's Izzo in March, but I think that the experience factor, Michigan State was all out of whack when they were playing this season. And I know they've got the big three top ten wins, but UCLA, to me, was a little more steady throughout the year. And they've got a good leader at the point in Tiger Campbell. They've got a lot of star power on their team with Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jaquez. So I look at the UCLA team to, to pass through. And then in the other 11 matchup, we've got Wichita State and Drake. To me, that's sort of a toss-up. I like the Isaac Brown narrative out of Wichita State. Mm-hmm. I think he's done a phenomenal job, and deservedly so, got that interim tag removed and is now the official head coach for the Shockers moving forward. But that Wichita State team, they won the AAC regular season over a top-10 team in Houston. So they played really strong basketball throughout the year. So I, I tend to lean with Wichita State there. And then the 16s, I mean, flip your coins. Oh, that's not that. That's not <laughs> that. Ain't yeah, right. Who's playing the sixteen? We got. Let's you see, got Purple some. State and the App State. I I know. Hold on a second. I know that you I'll watched. You I'll give you this one. Okay. Texas Southern is gonna win. Texas Southern. I don't, is that Mount St. Mary's? I'm just seeing. That's M- correct. MSM. Correct. Um, but yeah, give, give me Texas Southern. They're always good to win in that first four. And then Norfolk State against Appalachian State. We'll roll with uh, Norfolk State. They have some tournament history behind them. Okay. They were, they were one of the 15s to beat a two. All right. See, I, I'm not going to let you just, just, just leave the audience behind. It's like, ah, it's a 16 seed. There you go. There, there's my 16 seed. I, I thought I had nothing there, but then, you know what? I saw Texas Southern. I always roll with Texas Southern. Um, and then, yeah, and then Norfolk State, they were one of the 15 seeds to beat a two seed one time. So let's roll with history. See, let me show you what kind of pro I am, Tyler Aki. I didn't even ask you about your your final four because they have to find that out on the Made for March podcast. There you go. See, we're gonna be we're gonna be going through those picks and everything. I I will say it's feeling kind of chalky this year, but yeah. I'll, I'll I'll save the rest of that analysis for for the show. See, that there's a pro. No one's gonna ever ask you about your fi- your first four. Everyone wants to know your final exactly. four, but I, as a professional, says, you know what? Let Tyler tell his audience on the Made for March podcast. You can follow on Twitter, Made the Number Four March, and wherever you download your podcast, look for Made for March as uh, Tim and Tyler break this down. You see, that's what a pro does. I could have said, give me your, you fr- give me your, pro. give me your championship. Give me, no, 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 no. That's what you have your show for. We're trying to make money on on Thursday on True TV. Exactly. Yes, and and there is money to be made in that first four. And I'll say this, too. A first four team, nearly every single season, ends up winning at least one more game after that. So there's another little tidbit. So maybe look for the upset between the winner of MSU and UCLA over BYU or the Shockers and Drake 
over USC. See? How about that? See that? I'm great. Just ask me. Tyler Rocky from the Made for Bush podcast and from our staff at ESP 1000. Let's uh, come on again with us. We'd love to, love to have you again. Absolutely, Hood. Love doing it with you. Always good to catch up with Tyler Rocky from our station, ESPN 1000 in Chicago, and also that Made for March podcast. He always does a great job on our college basketball coverage. He loves it, and so do I as well. How about this story? Indiana Hoosiers fire coach Archie Miller after a 12-15 and 15 season. Boy, I saw that coming. I just didn't know when. But athletic director Scott Dolson released a statement earlier on Monday confirming that Miller was let go. And the buyout is more than $10 million. $10 million to stay away. You'd take that, wouldn't you? I know I would. So the Hoosiers missed the NCAA tournament again this season, ending with six straight losses to a 12-15 and 15 record. I'm reading Jeff Morzello from ESPN.com. During Archie's tenure, 67-58 overall, 33-44 in the Big Ten. Wasn't good enough. Now, Miller went to the NCAA tournament in his final four seasons at Dayton, including an Elite Eight run in 2014, and he spent time as an assistant at Arizona, Ohio State, Arizona State, NC State, and Western Kentucky. And so Archie Miller out at Indiana. We'll probably we start to see some firings anyway around the college basketball landscape, but that's a big one because it is Indiana. So I'll always say this, like, was the firing just? Probably so. But Blue Blood programs like Indiana under Bobby Knight, they have not been the same program. And it's not the destination that it once was. It's a, it's a Big Ten job. Uh, it is a good spot to be able to be right there in Bloomington, Indiana, and be able to try to figure out, like, hey, you know, if I'm in the Big Ten, where can I get to the, can I get to the big NBA uh, spotlight? Probably. But I don't know who the next coach is going to be for Indiana, but it's not the same program it once was. It's like Nebraska football. It's like you know certain programs around college where they think, well, we're supposed to be a winner every year. It didn't happen like that. Not since Bob Knight left. They have not been that type of program. So Archie Miller, after a hot run with Dayton, takes the Indiana job. Of course, he got a ticket because it's a plum job, and he gets fired just like that. The pressure is palpable in Indianapolis and in the state of Indiana. When Indiana basketball is bad, they want you out. I've heard the stories. I completely understand that. All right, let me move on to the NBA and talk about the Bulls. So the Bulls won their game against the Toronto Raptors on Sunday night by the score of 118-95. Now, Billy Donovan has had enough of the ineptitude of this basketball team. It's not horrible, but you can see underachieving basketball. Coming out of the break, the Bulls lost to the 76ers without Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Okay, that and so I remember that game as they lost 127 to 105 in that one. And I thought this could be a game that the Bulls could really kind of sneak by and win this game without the two big guns for Philly. And the Bulls still underachieved at home. In that game, it wasn't Simmons, it wasn't Embiid. 
it was Tobias Harris and it was um, Milton off the bench and it was you know Curry and others that picked up the slack. Also, Dwight Howard turned the clock back with 18 and 12 against the Bulls. I said, okay, so without the two big guns, Bulls lose that game. Then, again, coming out of the break, the Bulls lose again. And you can just tell Billy Donovan is just seething at this point in time, right? You want to get him off to some kind of start here in the second half. Just kind of wipe the slate clean to be able to be a better basketball team in the second half. And then he loses to the Miami Heat. That was a tappy pull until the fourth quarter as the Miami Heat, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA, and the Bulls were step for step with them defensively. And then they let go of the rope in the fourth quarter. Okay, so that didn't work. So Billy Donovan was like, you know, I'm changing the lineup. And even though... There's some players out for the Raptors because of COVID and because of injuries. Um, the Bulls won the ball game. But the point is, is that you saw Thomas Sadoransky uh, in the lineup for the Bulls instead of Kobe White. You saw Thaddeus Sung in the lineup instead of Wendell Carter Jr. And the Bulls won the game. We're going to hear from Billy Donovan in just a moment. I just want to point out that watching the Bulls at 17-20, and 20, it's a team that still has a hard time defensively. That's one of the major issues with the Bulls is that they have a hard time being able to just stop the ball. The Bulls are not good enough to be going basket to basket with everybody. I mean, Zach Levine is, but the Bulls as a team are not good enough to go basket for basket with good, high-octane offenses. They just aren't. And so Levine had 15 points and six rebounds and three assists. But the story was is that Patrick Williams, 23 points, 4 assists, 6 rebounds. I thought he was stellar in his 27 minutes of play. Now, as I mentioned, Young, who's usually first off the bench, he started at 10 points. Sadoransky had 7 assists. And then you saw some bench depth there with Wendell Carter Jr., who looked as confident as I've ever seen him, with his 12 points and 11 rebounds. He's in there for 20 minutes, but you can see the smile on his face. He felt almost a relief to be able to be in there and contribute for his basketball team. He came off the bench, and so did um, White. White had 13 points and 5 assists. He played free and loose as well. So something had to be done. And so that sends a message to these Bulls players, like for Carter Jr. and for White, if you're not going to be aggressive early on the game, uh, I'm going to change the lineup. And that's exactly what he did. I think it was the right thing to do. I will say again what I've said all along since I started this podcast. And that is that don't expect the world from the Bulls just because you don't get guard packs and just because it's a new coach in there, Billy Donovan. All of this is an evaluation. My issues with the Bulls is that they are bad defensively. They were actually decent toward the end of the season last year in the Boylan defensively because they had some defensive principles in a losing season. But this team has a hard time being able to be physical and to be able to make stops defensively. That is a problem for this basketball team. The other thing is, too, is that you know not sharing the basketball enough. And, and you need a point guard badly on this basketball team. They shouldn't have to go to Thomas Sadoransky to try to find someone to distribute the basketball, but they did. He had seven assists. Thaddeus Young also had seven assists. As I mentioned before, White had five assists in the game. So sharing the basketball and making others better matters. Once this team was good, is Sadoransky on the team? Is Young on the team? Not sure. 
Otto Porter Jr., because he's healthy, was able to contribute 11 points, 21 minutes of play. So now that you have some health on this team, maybe the Bulls will start to gel some. I just know the second half of the season is not going to be easy, but don't expect the world. Look at the development. If the Bulls come back with the same roster they did uh, this year, like if they come back with the same roster uh, in the next season, and you're like, wait, where's the development? How's this going to get better? Then I will be on their ass for sure. They play the Thunder coming up uh, on the 16th of March, so we'll see how they fare. But coming out of the break was not good. But the only way the Bulls are going to get better is if they share the basketball and defend. Billy Donovan with more after the win for the Bulls against the Raptors on Sunday night. Committed and they've worked hard, but it was just something that I felt like we needed to do because the group was not playing great together. And again, like I said, it's it's not you know anybody. It's it's not Wendell and it's not Kobe at all. It's nothing to do with them. It's just more the whole five of them, you know. And I think the numbers bear that out, and watching film bears that out. As a quick follow-up, Billy, I've asked you before about balancing winning now and developing young players. Was this a more difficult decision to have to sit two of your promising young players? Yeah, you know what, Darnell? I, I look at maybe development a little bit different. I think there's some people that look at development as just throw a guy out there and let him play through all his mistakes and let him get better. These guys need to learn how to win, you know? And the, the number one component and thing that goes into winning is sacrifice, and this was a situation where Kobe and Wendell were put in situations to sacrifice. But, you know, in talking to both those guys, they want to win and they'll do whatever they can to help the group win. And I really, really admire, respect and appreciate, you know, their approach on that. So this is good for their development, to be quite honest with you, because, you know, obviously we're trying to win, you know, and you know what? They're they're going through real life experiences that will help them grow and get better, you know, as players. And um I don't think it's a situation. I would worry about their development if I told you tonight, hey, Kobe didn't play and Wendell didn't play and we took them out of the rotation. They're still playing. They're still going to be out there. There's still those opportunities to grow. But I also think, too, you know, it's it's a good lesson for everybody, I think, on our team because I always feel like the sign of a great player is somebody that makes everyone else around them better. And I don't know if that group starting – was really functioning like that. And it wasn't, you know, at all to uh, anybody's uh, fault, you know, because it's not like we like have a lot of dynamic playmakers in that starting unit that are playing off the dribble and getting other guys shots. Zach's probably the one guy and Kobe out in transition has done a really good job getting into the teeth of the defense and, and, and distributing. But I didn't feel like the group was really helping each other. And I just figured that we got to kind of shake it up and maybe look at something some other thing i didn't know I, I i wasn't necessarily convicted that this was the right thing in terms of this lineup but i i felt very very convicted that we needed to do something thank you yep kc go ahead with the next one please billy billy one thing that's been apparent about you all season and, and really watching your oklahoma city tenure from afar is that you're you're very flexible and fluid i mean you're you'll you'll try what you think is right so i'm not holding you to anything here but i mean you're going to analyze this and see how it goes. I mean, this might not be permanent either, right? Or is this something you can... 100%. You know, I feel like, you know, Casey, I feel like my responsibility, you know, is is I think that my intention with the group has always been to try to help them, put them in the best position to win. Am I perfect? No. Am I going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Have I made plenty of mistakes already? Yes, absolutely. And uh, But I, I, I want them to know that my intention is to help them. And... I, I think, you know, in looking at film, 
and looking at some of the numbers, I think you have to be prepared as a coach to help the group, you know, as, as best you can. And you listen, you know, I've said this before that, you know, I've, I've stolen this line, you know, voluntary cooperation. You know, I, I can't tell you how unbelievable Kobe and Wendell were, you know, when I, when I met with them, I mean, they were tremendous and it just speaks volumes of them is in terms of their character, who they are. And, and I think how they feel about the organization and their teammates and the fact that they really want to win. And it's kind of like, listen, they were like, Billy, if you, if you feel that this is the best thing, you know, that's fine. You know, we'll, 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 we'll go along with it. And I think Casey, I, I didn't ask anybody really their opinion on it. I gave everybody an opportunity to talk, but I do feel like maybe the group felt like maybe something needed to happen. I don't know if they were expecting it or not, but I just feel like I've got to try to help the group and make, and some of the decisions I'm going to make, like, I didn't know if this was going to work out tonight. We could have lost by 30 and it would have been like really, really bad. Right. So I, I just, I'm going to try to make decisions to help the group. But to your point, yes, this is not set in stone for the rest of the year. We'll see how this works, what this looks like. And, uh, you know, we got some really good minutes from OP tonight off the bench. It was good to see him get his legs back under him. And we got some really, really good minutes from Denzel. So, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, different guys step up in different junctures. We got a really good uh, first half from Wendell for the amount of minutes he played. He was really effective protecting the rim and scoring. But, yeah, I mean, it could change. It, it, it definitely could change. And I wanted to ask one quick follow-up about uh, Patrick Williams. You always talk about cutting. He, he had probably five or six baskets tonight where he just made the right cut at the right time. Is that something that you've seen improvement from him throughout this we, We've got to help him there, Casey, to be quite honest. I feel like sometimes, you know, he can get caught. You know, the one thing that was happening was when when o, when uh, OP and Larry and Wendell were at, he was kind of all over the place offensively. And when I say all over the place position-wise, he was playing a lot of different positions. So he was getting some of these rolls, some of these dives. And then as we've gotten whole as a team, even I just noticed in some of the, you know, last two games, he's just, you know, a, a spacer. And we got, he's got to cut. And he's got to know when to cut, you know, because sometimes young guys can just start cutting all over the place and they can get in the way. But he really made some very effective, and I thought – you know, very, very good cuts that allowed us to steal some easy baskets. And we need a lot of that out of him. All right, Billy Donovan, the head coach for the Chicago Bulls. And lastly, a friend of mine has just gotten fired as I record this on Monday afternoon. Dave Leto, the head coach for DePaul, has been let go. Multiple sources say that the Blue Demons have fired coach Dave Leto. The Blue Demons have finished last in the Big East for five straight seasons and have not been to the NCAA tournament in 17 years. Quick story. I told Gene Lenny Ponsetto at the time that they were hiring Oliver Purnell. I said, you should try to make a splash here and hire Steve Lavin. Steve Lavin, of course, had some success when he was at St. John's. Uh, and after Dave Leto left DePaul the first time and took the Virginia job. He was there for a few years. He was toiling in the G League, and then um, Gene Lenny Ponsetto, the then athletic director, decided to um, rehire Dave Leto, Leto 2.0. And it just did not work. It did not work. Um, rehired in 2015, did Genie uh, brought Leto back into the fold. In his first go-around with DePaul, between 2002 and 2005, Leto compiled a 58-34 record in three seasons with one NCAA appearance before leaving in 2015 to coach Virginia. 
His return lasted six seasons with a 69-113 record and zero NCAA appearances. In 2018 and 19, the team finished with its only winning record of 19 and 17 in his first 12 years. In Leto's recent tenure, the Blue Demons were runners-up in the CBI. I mean, Leto finishes with a 124 and 147 record at DePaul and 21 and 85 in Big East play. So the new athletic director Dwayne Peavy is going to bring in his. His guy, because Leto was Gene Lenti Ponsetto's guy. So PV is going to bring in his guy. Uh, I say a friend got let go is because I was the, the host of the Dave Leto show his first time around. Between 2002 and 2005, we used to do shows together at the Cubby Bear in Lincolnshire, Illinois. And we did shows there. We established a rapport, knew each other well, and I've always liked Dave Leto. But it's a no-win situation when you're in the Big East. And I'm saying the Big East is not what the Big East used to be. But I just don't think DePaul should be in the Big East. I know the Big East wanted to have a another big market like Chicago. I just don't think the talent that's coming in there um, where DePaul should be in the Big East. They should be in a lesser conference and work their way back up. I know the money's great at the Big East. They are on Fox television or FS1 all the time. I get that. It's just that the, the program in that in that conference is just not going to thrive. I don't care who they're going to bring in. And I don't know who is going to be next after Lato, but this program has just been toiling. And when you're the head coach of a college program, there's only one person to blame. It's you, it's the school, and it's the resources. You know, you bring in the groceries, you're supposed to cook the meal, and the meal has not tasted good for years at DePaul. 17 years last time they were in the NCAA tournament. And there's some teams that have lucked their way in or just had just um, a little bit of uh, success just kind of out of nowhere. They have a charmed season. It's not happened for DePaul. Uh, so all the best to Dave Lato, as I mentioned. I've been able to establish a friendship with Dave and his family over the years, uh, going back to 2002 when he first came to DePaul. But that thing wasn't going to work. So now the new AD, PV, will come in and bring his guy. So Two breaking news items in the same podcast. Archie Miller at Indiana and DePaul with Dave Lato. Someone is going to get a really good job, one or the other, uh, during the spring and summer. Don't forget, we are sponsored by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. And don't forget to catch me with David Kaplan between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. We're doing this podcast now, but we'll have more. We're going to put some money in your pocket this week, leading you into the NCAA tournament. We'll have some special guests on it as well. That's why we do this, because basketball is hood. It is the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Just subscribe and just Enjoy the next episodes here this week as we lead you into the NCAA tournament, NBA news and notes, and more. Thanks so much, as always, for listening to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. See you next time.